<laughs> nice. Perfect. It's running. Welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. And Jonathan is here as usual. And we have a very special guest, and I'm going to mispronounce the name again, even though I just learned how to pronounce it. Uh, Fatima, correct? Uh, yeah, kind of correct. Well, right, well, I'm sure I'll get it at some point. Coming in from, uh, from a different time zone, right? We are caught in different time zones today. You are two hours and a half behind us. All right, yeah. yeah. Right. And that would be Stockholm and Tehran, right? Right. Normally, when we have a new guest, we try to get to know kind of the maiden story. I already know a bit from uh, emails back and forth, but uh, of course, the listeners should get the lowdown on how you got into the band and when this was and kind of in, in which context. Um, I got to the band through myself, and um, I think I was about 12 or 13, maybe. Uh, some of my friends were into, you know, Linkin Park and these type of bands. So I started from there, and then I led into, you know, uh, ACDC, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Then came Iron Maiden, which I had avoided because of their name for a long time. <laughs> really? And <laughs> is it that bad? Yeah, kind of silly. I don't know. It was a strange, like, mm -hmm. what does it mean to have Iron Maiden as the name? Uh -huh. So uh, I finally got to them. First, I heard uh, the three big... Hallowed Beast and Run to the Hills. Everything was all right, but um, I wasn't like hooked at that point. Mm -hmm. um, then I heard Two Minutes to Midnight, and from there I just was like, wow. Mm, really? uh, you know, the opening riff, which is something very generic and simple, but um, the you know the playing style and that got my attention. Nice, and that was maybe the first Smith song out of the bunch that you just listed now, I think. Yep. Because Hello, so, yeah, yeah. Harris, and Run to the Hills is Harris. So maybe it was the Smith thing, because from our emails, you've been a big advocate for this guy, as am I, you know. Uh, definitely a bit of a, a favorite. Uh, yeah, I think it really has something to do with Adrian. Yeah. And uh, actually, none of the songs today are Adrian songs, but somehow linked still, you know, coming in with um, kind of Adrian's, Adrian's mm -hmm. album, I guess. With, you know, Summer in Time is, is his album. Uh, yeah, it's Summer in, in time. many ways. But he didn't write the title track. That's uh, Steve Harris. It's a sole credit to Steve Harris. It's all Steve, yeah. no one else. And it sticks out a little bit as a song. It's, it's long, like epic length, but there is no clean part or uh, re not, not really mm -hmm. any calm parts in it. After the intro, it's just pretty much full blasting all through the whole song. So it's an intense piece. And I remember really liking it as a kid uh, because it's you don't have a chance to... You're not left out. If you listen to that song, it's going to pull you into the summer in mm -hmm. time landscape, the summer in time world with that uh, special production that we, we talked about with Dawn, for example. And I guess with everyone mm -hmm. when we're talking about Maiden, this production comes up again and again. It's a really cool one, I think. 
It's also a, a kind of a longer, like you said, it's a longer kind of a song, and that's kind of also rare for an opening track. Usually, they try to keep the opening track kind of shorter. A lot of times, it seems like, uh, or maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. I'm, I'm going to check. I'm going to double check. I just said that without really thinking that through. That might not be true at all. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to ask you, Fatima, about uh, you. You discovered Iron Maiden for yourself, you say, or metal for yourself. I guess through the internet then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I discovered Maiden through internet, but uh, the other bands that my friends had. You know, they just handed me the CD or the flash USB thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual CD or uh, like a self-made? No, no, it was a self-made. Let's copy it into the CD. Yeah, because that's how I figured it wouldn't be too much infrastructure for Maiden in Iran, right? You know, we have this um, type of uh, traditional music for ourselves, mm-hmm. which is uh, kind of a very rich music. And then we've got Persian pop, Persian rap. And um, recently, uh, some people are... Uh, creating some sort of uh, metal and rock uh, with Persian language in it and some of it is good but uh, I don't care for most of it to mm-hmm. be honest <laughs> but how, how is the distribution looking like if, if there's say, say let's say there's a new made an album out can you go and buy it in a store or is it internet all the way uh, no it's internet all the way because mm. I tried to check and, and to my recollection they haven't played either in Iran right No, not at all. You know, it has something to do with the um, uh, political issues and all these Islam- uh, Islamic Republic type of government going yeah. on. Yeah, no. But it's, it's, it's not, not, not that harsh, I guess, because you can still do a Maiden podcast from Iran. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, They good. probably will not come after you, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you play a bit of guitar too. Yep, but um, not that much. Yeah, no, I'm not going to ask you to play now. Anyway, <laughs> we're, here, we're here to talk. But uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did prefer, prepare a few clips for the first song today. Actually, uh, not too many for the second song. And I guess we could just set the mood off with this is kind of a backing track to the intro. So the intro, you know, um, you know, obviously know the guitar melody. Underneath, it's kind of interesting what's happening. This is by. A, a cover band but yeah they get the gist of it It's kind of a basic pattern, but it uh, brings a new, I think, a new scenery to Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. In a sense, this is way different. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I have this old bass playing friend of mine who used to. He was never really into Maiden, uh, not on my level, obviously. And I, I kind of showed him this album, and he came back to me like, "This is pretty cool. This sounds like Iron Maiden went to the future." You know? Yeah, <laughs> which is the sound of this, and yeah, I mean, it it's obviously. A long time ago, it's my year of birth, 1986. So it's n- not the future, <laughs> not at all. I looked at like <laughs> uh, I looked at some old movie trailers yesterday from from this era, and it's definitely no. not the future, <laughs> not yet. No. <laughs> But uh, yeah, speaking of movies, this is uh, inspired by Blade Runner. Not the, not the song title, not the song lyrics or so, but the album theme, the thematic, and the 
the the, the front cover of it. Uh. Definitely, yeah. I think when they played it live, uh, you know, before the show starts, they played this um, Blade Runner theme as the intro thing, yeah. and then they moved into Cut Summer Time exactly. as the opener. Yeah, yeah they, they exactly. play they play the intro, actually the ending credits from. Um, Mm-hmm. From Blade Runner, it's 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 very it's too bad they didn't properly document that tour because you know that's the only that's like the only one from that era that doesn't have a yeah, the only version <laughs> yeah pretty much I yeah. mean they they didn't do that but you, we got three live albums for the ninety like three uh, tour <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> so, the terrible line yeah, God, it's horrible <laughs> yeah yeah we remember some of your harsh criticism there. I don't think we read that one out yet when you when you wrote that uh, about no prayer. They they fired or slash replaced Adrian for this. <laughs> it's harsh. It's harsh. No, but it's. I mean, I get it. I, I get it. But also, if you just listen to like the, uh, um, I'm sort of. I'm not a completionist that I need to really own everything, but I kind of want to get all the official releases. And the th- the three most expensive releases on vinyl are. Donington, and then a real live dead one, a real live one, and those are the ones I don't, I would never really listen to them because I, I think they really suck. Yeah, <laughs> so I think I would, that's reason alone to to drop the completism. I think you know, not to have yeah, to I'm pay a hundred euros for Donington, you know. I, I <laughs> wish I, I've seen I've seen it for as much as like you know two hundred and fifty. So. Oh yeah, that stinks. That's, that's, that's not, that's I'm not, not doing that. Yeah. Did you have anything more, Eric, on, on the kind of sci-fi theme, the Blade Runner theme here? Because you're more of a sci-fi expert than I am. However, I'm quite fascinated by this world. But yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think that um, uh, the, it's, there's a reason why a lot of people say this is their favorite, at least cover art they did. The art, artwork is really cool. And I, the uh, when I hear when you that clip you played without the uh, just the backing tracks, you can very much hear the that it's very inspired by the kind of Blade Runner uh, yeah. uh, you know, vibe and theme and the music from that. Yeah, uh, Blade Runner theme obviously by Vangelis, this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's a Greek mm-hmm. guy originally because I listened yeah. to his old band um, Aphrodite Child. They have a great album called 666, coincidentally. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a, a double record. Uh, prog rock, very cool. A bit of Greek inspired as well. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very good band. And uh, I remember, I think it was Lauren Harris or another of Steve's daughters. They asked, well, "What does your dad play in the car?" And then she said, "Like usually, Vangelis." <laughs> no, so apparently he's a pretty big fan of this synth synth guy, you know. Which you know, it's it's a bit. I guess he had to move somewhere, right? After his '70s favorites, yes, Jethro uh, Tull and all that stuff, UFO, and then Genesis. going into the '80s, maybe he discovered this, you know, which kind of makes sense. But it is adventurous music. Uh, I quite like it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, I wouldn't say, but uh, I think it was a good source of inspiration for him after being kind of worn out after uh, the World yeah. Slavery Tour. You know, what to do now? I, I, I just want to confirm, uh, so Aphrodite's Child, that's that's Vangelis, huh? Because I, 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 I really like that group. I had no idea it was him. Yeah, I think <laughs> he's uh, on, on keyboard, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, cool. But, I, I, had no, I had no idea. No, it's a cool band. Yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah, I like I, I like them. Apparently, not that much. So I didn't know he was in the band, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. It's rare. Also, Greek. I don't listen to many Greek artists. It's, I think it's the one, probably. Yeah, but it's a Greek sounding cool. thing, like Vangelis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool. So that's where we are right now. And yeah, I did actually. I pulled down the the Paris live version. Uh, it sounds pretty mm-hmm. horrible. It's like a VHS recording. But I set up yesterday night. I set up and tried to remaster it a bit. And also, I cut out some slices so we don't have to listen seven minutes, seven minutes straight. So, uh, so I'll play a little bit of it. This is from a verse bit, just to hear, you know, 
the rarity that is Cold Summer in Time live. Yeah, his, his voice was kind of strained him in bits there, but it, it's, it's still yeah, cool. a little bit. I think not as much as World Slaver. No, no, <laughs> no, no. no. Or, or as much as the new one. <laughs> and I, when I was when I was listening to it, I was wondering: Does Bruce even like this song? Is it his type of song? Uh, you know, with this, he's not involved in the album in terms of writing. We all know that, and it's been discussed. Like he had these yeah. acoustic mm. ideas laying about. He felt like we've we've done the biggest, most epic heavy metal thing you can do with World Slavery Tour and Power Slave, right? Yeah. So what can we do from here? And he felt that bringing it down, being a fan of Led Zeppelin, for example, they on the third album they they brought it down a little bit. Half of it mm. is kind of acoustic, and the band didn't like the idea. <laughs> now, do do either of you know if any of the acoustic ideas ever made it something else, or are those all just kind of did nothing happen to them? Because yeah. I think one of them would be um, seven deadly sins, seven ways well, to one? win. Right. Yeah, I think I've heard this. Yeah, and yeah. possibly another part. But some uh, of them, uh, you know, ended up being on uh, the Tattooed Millionaire album, right, which yeah. is not, you know, the album you want to listen to. <laughs> not my favorite. <laughs> No, mine in as well. five years we'll get to those songs as well and yeah we'll yeah, see what fun. i think we'll see what yeah. i think i'll be 40 I'll, I'll be 43 at that point yeah uh, you'll, be, you'll be alive no, but i think i think tattooed millionaire um is 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 fun but it's not you know it's not like it's not that yeah you know, it's it's not great it's not great it has some good moments on it mm -hmm. like Mm, you know, I think that uh, wasting love is kind of inspired by son of a gun. Oh, yeah, definitely. very yeah. close. Yeah but you know the overall album thing is not something you want to just you know listen to it again and again and again just no. you listen to it once and it's over yeah yeah i mean i think there's like for me there's like three maybe four songs that are pretty cool and the rest some of it's just really boring it's it's the same kind of stuff he was doing i mean well, you know around that time in maiden that just wasn't that exciting and then he you know he later a lot of his solo stuff later is really cool so yeah i kind of mm -hmm. uh, so it's yeah I think I we'll just, get to that at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's tangential, but I just I think I just don't like the concept of Tattooed Millionaire. It's just, for me, it's a wrong concept, you know. And this is quite the reverse. Summer in Time is an interesting concept. And I want yeah. to touch a little bit on the lyrics, too, of this song. Oh, uh, yeah. Like this idea of this devil-type character or this trickster or, um, I guess, a salesman, you know, or kind mm -hmm. of uh, his attempter, you could say also, that comes in with this deal to the protagonist uh, that... Uh, Perhaps he's, uh, you know, presenting the deal of being able to travel through time or being able to somehow control time. Um, you know, he comes with an offer you can't refuse kind of scenario. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not really that, not that complicated. I think it's based on a book or novel or film um, by the same title. Yeah. It's based on a film, I think, uh, called Time After Time, mm -hmm. which itself is based on, um, you know, a book of the same name. 
Okay. Again, it's called China after time. Sounds Harris. Oh. Harris territory um, right there. Yeah, it's the old Steve Harris habit of writing songs based on films. Yeah. yeah. But, but again, it doesn't have anything to do with the film. Yet. Not really. Not anything, but it has very little thing to do with the yeah. film. Yeah. I'm going to pull up the actual lyrics soon, but if I recall correctly, it's... Uh, this kind of story arc that goes and Harris liked to do this for a bit that he changes the one uh, one kind of sentence in the final chorus uh, and in this one also mm-hmm. is, is doing this with caught now in two minds that kind of ends the uh-huh. song he doesn't mention that earlier and I I was wondering what could that mean and I think it's because being able to travel through time or being able to see different phases of time it's hard to stay in one mind you know, because you've seen this truth and then you've seen that truth. And obviously something goes kind of wrong. You know, he shouldn't have taken this deal. That's the vibe I get from the song. Um, what do you think? I think based on the story of the film, um, this guy who is um, Jack the Ripper, yeah. the serial killer. Oh, really? Uh, he kind of, uh, you know, he kind of gets stuck in time and he has no way of coming back. So he's just spinning through time and he's kind of destroyed I, I, yeah, I just I just, re, re, just pulled out the uh, yeah. uh, this you know the story uh, looking at the story here for the, the the movie and the book. That sounds a lot more exciting than what ended up. I mean, you should have put some of that in the song. That was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because um, I do a I do a movie podcast in Swedish, and we were going to do this movie at some point, but I I don't think we did. But uh, ended for some reason. But yeah, that looks cool. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna check that out. Yeah. I haven't watched the movie either, but it sounds cool. Like it's the sci-fi thing. Yeah, yeah there you go. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's a nice cover, isn't it? You can't mm-hmm. see this, dear listeners. It's perfect. But I have to pull out the vinyl, of course, with this one. And I wanted to see the lyrics too. I think, but they're fairly straightforward, aren't they? But I think they they still set a mood. You know, you don't need much yeah. story for this song. The story is kind of in the title, right? Uh, or what would you say on that? Um, I think we can go. You know, um, from two perspectives. One of them is, um, you know, the one in the film, um, which makes it, um, you know, the words of um, Jack the Ripper trying to convince um, the owner of this time machine to come along um, with him and travel through time uh, because, you know, they can do whatever they like. And uh, if they ever regret anything, they can just go back and redo it again. Um, But, you know, another perspective can be the thing about uh, these being the words of the devil trying to convince somebody, anybody, mm-hmm. uh, to sell his soul to him uh, in order, um, you know, to get access to this time machine yeah. and uh, going through time and do whatever they like. Yeah, that's how I read it. Like, uh, I think both of them work. Yeah, final yeah. verse, make an offer you can't refuse. You've only got your soul to lose eternally. <laughs> Just let yourself go. You know, it's not complicated. <laughs> Not really. Does it actually? Does, does yeah. it say? It doesn't say. <laughs> but he does it live with the same. Oh, I know he does, but with the same squirrel. <laughs> you know, it's borderline not serious what Bruce is doing there, but I, you know, it's Bruce. Uh, he does. He does that sometimes. He puts yeah. laughs in there. Yeah, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Also, typical kind of devil metaphor, I guess. Try to hide your deepest sins of all the things that you've done wrong. So that could be what you're talking about. Like hide the deepest mm. sins and things you've done wrong by going back in time and kind of undoing them. And I think ultimately what happens to this character, protagonist, he goes kind of crazy, right? He goes kind of mad because 
our mind or psyche is probably not ready to experience different time uh, parallels, yeah, you know. Also, as time is kind of already a vague concept to us, you know, uh, many people would would say that time doesn't really exist, that, you know, you're measuring something else. Well, you know, but then we're getting well, the, deep. The, uh, well, the, uh, the, the line, you know, time is always on my side, because there's a Rolling Stones song of the kind of same uh, uh, words. And that expression comes, I think, sort of of uh, having the illusion that you have a lot of time, but you don't really have a lot of time. So that, mm-hmm. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but that could be that too. Because uh, in the next song, you know, on the album Wasted Years is also somewhat... <laughs> it's a fascinating uh, topic. Yeah, it sounds you know, like- Which, you know, it, it, it might have something to do with the fact they just spent, you know, the greater part of, you know, quite, quite many months stuck together, just, you know, traveling around doing the same thing every night. Uh, that could be part of it. <laughs> that, could know, be, but, that could be. Yeah. But I mean, uh, yeah, we'll get to that one in a, quite a while, but that's uh, that's a more typical song, songy lyric, I think, you mm-hmm. know, that has a message, like a heartfelt message, yeah. where this is more of a scene, you know. Steve is basically yeah. just thinking, that'd be kind of badass, you know. <laughs> it's not more. Yeah, it's probably, not, yeah. it's not yeah. much more than that, but it, it, it's really cool. For me. I, I like it. I think it works for the song and the way it just kind of propels forward. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the chorus, for example, where he sounded a bit strained there on the example, it's just, uh, some people complain about this chorus, and I can get that, that it's a bit, you know, meandering, or just, this flows like that, like the lead melody of the intro. Also sounds really like being lost in time. Mm. Yep. Ah, uh, where am I? Kind of thing. Yeah. It just feels as if this person is, uh, you know, shouting for help and is crying out. Yeah. I'm lost. Yeah. Right. Yeah, good point. And it's and it, the fact that it never stops. Um, you know, the song doesn't stop or go into a, a lower tempo or anything. It just hits you. It's also like this mm-hmm. time that never stops or time just keeps running and also parallel times uh, at this point. So, so I think yeah. it works well for, for, for the theme of the song and the album. A great way to open the album. I wouldn't change it for a... Yeah, it, it really sets the mood really well. I, I hope that I don't think they will, but it'd be really cool if they if they were to bring that one out, you know, and play live at some point again. Yeah, great opener. I don't think it'll happen. Yeah. So, but probably not. Uh, probably not. No, probably not. Just something. Just speaking of time, um, on the album cover, you have uh, if you look on their album cover, it's somewhere I can't remember where. There's a, a small, uh, there's a little blue phone box, and uh, doc, the Doctor Who fans out there will know that's a. That's called a, a TARDIS, and that's Doctor's uh, time machine. So that's also another time time travel cool. thing there. I, th- I think there's more stuff. I mean, there's tons of stuff on there that they just... Yeah, obviously, there's uh, all the stuff that everyone knows, like the Aces High Sky Bar and all that. Yeah. Uh, also, like, noticeable is uh, the little trash can on a lamppost. On on, it's from the first mm-hmm. Iron Maiden album, this kind of trash can or a cigarette dump that is attached to a lamppost or a, yeah electric light. Uh, that one I didn't notice before. There's always something new. I've had this album for over 20 years. And there's still some new stuff you know, that pops up if you if you look at it. And it reminds me of this uh, sh- sh- kids book that we have, like Where's Waldo or something like that. Do you know this one? <laughs> Are you familiar? Yeah, it's- uh, yeah, I think someone had managed to find like 40 references in this cover. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a page right now. They have quite a few, and there's tons of. Because there's this book called Where's Waldo that I loved when I was a kid. I think Vare Valle in Swedish. And there's the yeah. same concept this guy with a red hat, and he's in different, you know, 
eras of time in in that book yeah. and, I, and it came out two years after well, this I don't, I, 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 I don't is he in different eras of time i think he's in different places in mine is eras <laughs> but it is you know there's different versions of this guy no i know yeah i know but, but mine, I think is, mine is actually deeper time. than it is <laughs> no in mine it's actually through time you know you know he's in the, mid, right. in the medieval station no this is not where's waldo uh, podcast but uh, the interesting thing is it came out in 88 so it came out two mm -hmm. years after this cover so i'm just thinking they saw this cover and they're like this could work, you know. Or well, maybe. Who Let's knows? Who knows? It's British, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a. Uh, this is my theory, and anyway. I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> we, should, we should start a Where's Waldo podcast. Yeah, but that'd be very unfitting, I think. With a complete. Also, it doesn't doesn't really work in audio. Does 100 it? Because just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, we yeah. have uh, also. We have to discuss the song musically a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if this is true, or I think it's true, or maybe I'm just like I sometimes do. I remember something, and it's not. Well, anyways, we'll see. If it's true, this is this is interesting. If it's not true, it doesn't matter. But uh, Louis Armstrong, one of the last songs he recorded was uh, "We Have All the Time in the World," and then apparently he died shortly thereafter. So there we go. I mean, so there you go. Yep. If that's true, that's very ironic. If it's not, then <laughs> it raises these uh, endless questions that we can't really get into. But I still find them interesting. That what time would or what time would really be? What is actually time? Is it the deterioration of of atoms or the moving of uh, one form into another or aging? You know, because you can't really measure it. You know, the, the clock is just arbitrary. The clock is just a yeah. mechanical function, right? And then we have the, of course, the lapse around the sun. And the, and the globe spinning, but still, like, what constitutes an hour, really? What's an hour? I think people people who are searching for answers to these questions probably shouldn't be trying to find them in, in this podcast. <laughs> no. Yeah. But just to, you know, conclude the lyrical part of this song, I think. It's, oh, yes, yes, fine. Yeah. yeah, and then we can add into the music, which maybe we have a little bit more concrete evidence on what's going on there. What would you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's very heavy, isn't it? It has that, the, it seems like... Um, just the 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 verse riff and the uh, um, even the the sort of pre-chorus riff, or it seems it's, you know have a you know real weight to them. Um, also, very fun to play. I recall, if I, if I recall correctly, I haven't played it in years, but um, it is fun, quite fast too. It's very fast. It's, it's also like it's, it's a very it's it's kind of rare to have uh, this long a song. It's just you know there's no there's no slow bits. There's no uh, interludes. It's just you know a full charge all the way through. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. I have a micro clip here on whether or not Bruce likes this song. Do you know that? Have you heard his like what he thinks about this song at all? Um, I think Bruce never kind of you know commented on the songs of Summer in Time separately, but uh, you know he always keeps sorry, but he always keeps bitching around this yeah. album. Of the new album, there's eight tracks on the new album, yeah. right? Do you have any particular favorites? Um, the title track, Somewhere in Time, Caught Somewhere in Time, um, Stranger in a Strange Land. Mm. In, 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 later, in later days, he's, tr I think there he just, he's trying to be more sort of positive about it. So what he'll do is, because he, I saw, when I saw him, he did the spoken word tour a few years ago. And he briefly, he mostly talked about airplanes, but he did mention this briefly. And the way he says nowadays is that during that album, he decides to just, it'd be fun to just be the singer and not bother with the writing. Yeah. Uh, I think that's how he looks at it now. I don't think he felt that way when it was happening. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, they, you know, just, didn't touch on it, but it's an important thing that he was kind of fooled down to the Bahamas. Have you heard his story? Like he, no, they hadn't told him, they hadn't given him the, the harsh reality of none of your ideas are going to get used. So he had turned in his ideas, his lyric sheets and his chords and whatnot. 
and he's booked to go to the Bahamas, to Nassau, Compass Point, as per usual, comes down there, and then he's, he's told, I think by Martin Birch, not even by anyone in the band, by the producer, like, uh, oh, by the way, none of your stuff is going to be on this album. And uh, that was, you know, it's a tough one. He's on the other side of, yeah. the, of, the, of the planet when he gets this news. And he said that he fully contemplated for maybe a day or two whether he should leave the band or take the high road and stay as a singer, um, which obviously is what he did. But yeah, do you have any comments on, on that? Um, I personally think I can understand the pain that, you know, it was kind of shocking to him after uh, writing like songs um, like, you know, Revelations, Power Slave completely on his own. And it's quite painful for him, but... Um, you know, at the same time, it's also childish because, you know, it, it could happen to anybody. Really, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and it's, I think it's obvious. Like, you came up with some acoustic type of song. And <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it's obvious, but to him, maybe it was obvious to move in that direction, you know, in a sense. But I don't, I really don't know. But, uh, you know, he himself comes with uh, the words saying, uh, I wrote some songs to turn Maiden upside down. So, just, yeah. you know. <laughs> When this is your mindset, uh, what you you know expect to get, they obviously are going to say no. And uh, I think I've heard in um, you know the official documentary thing, mm -hmm. um, Bruce himself said that um, you know he presented his ideas and everyone looked at him uh, like if he had two heads, the yeah. man members. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think um, you know I I really don't know if um, anyone before Martin Birch had said no to him or not, but, uh, you know, from uh, what he says and uh, what Steve Harris himself had said, it seems that um, they've had this type of conversation between themselves. Probably, yeah. yeah, but like, maybe, probably, they, yeah. maybe they would just tell him, you know, like Eric said last week, that's interesting, <laughs> upon being shown the, the stuff, like, oh, interesting, yeah. Bruce. And that's what he says, look at him like he has two heads, right? So no one would probably yeah. mm -hmm. put the foot down. Because, you know, he was also not, he was in a bit of a fragile state as well. Everyone knows. Or as Steve mm. always says, he was half his way to, what does he say? The funny farm? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so it's, you have to deal with that with a bit of delicacy and uh, a bit of, um, yeah, just being a bit careful, I guess. I'm, I'm wondering if maybe, and this is just speculation, uh, I see that Tears of the Dragon on Balls of Picasso was written solely by Bruce. I wonder if something like an earlier version of that might have been one of the songs. And if that's the case, that, that's that's a pretty, that, that would have worked in Maiden, I think. They could have definitely reworked that. Uh, it could have, uh, yeah. But I never liked Tears of the Dragon. We'll get to that I in, really in like many it, years. Yeah. Uh, I never but really it, still, it, still, it still wouldn't work in this album. That's the thing, so. To be honest, I... Uh, I'm not sad that he didn't get any writing credit on Sabo. <laughs> no, me neither. I can I can do it without him. And it, for me, it adds to the flavor. It's like uh, to do a Star Wars parallel. Uh, he's kind of frozen, you know. He's frozen Han Solo, and then he gets and then he gets yeah. uh, you know uh, reheated just before the studio. So he didn't have time to write anything. He's just back, you know, no. barely breathing out the last eyes and and uh, starting. I think it's okay too. And I mean, we get yeah, Smith. Maybe. Yeah. Smith stepping in with three full features of his own is pretty cool. Yep. And I think, you know, this is the case with Bruce that he he sometimes comes up with these super cheesy stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <that laughs> yes. And not to say that there aren't any uh, cheesy moments on this album, but, you know, th th some of Bruce's stuff are super cheesy that they are not tolerable. 
And, you know, I think considering the state that he was in, maybe it was a good idea not to let him write anything for this album, you know. I think it would decrease the level of epicness. Yeah, I like your hot take there that Bruce brings in cheesy stuff because it does happen time and time does again. Happen, and yeah. that was kind of my point with Tears of the Dragon as well. It's a little mm. bit cheesy. That yeah, again, fun, I'm, not, I'm not, uh, I haven't looked at the lyrics, but the music and the melody of it, for too long now, it's a bit, you know, oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, going towards uh, Enrique Iglesias territory. Oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> melodically it is. We can just... Yeah, melodically it is, but yeah, I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to bash Tears of the Dragon. So. We'll, do, we'll do that later. <laughs> yeah, but I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, just... Just take a look at the you know stuff from No Prayer and Fear of the Dark. Just it's <sighs> yeah. absolute cheese fest. Mm. Some places it is, some places it is. But I mean, also I have to add to that important point on on cheesiness is that for Maiden to work, they can't be afraid of being cheesy. You know, it's yep. very important no. because if they start second guessing, is this cheesy? Is this corny or uh, daft? As they say, they're not going to be able to produce our Maiden. You know, it has to be. 100% fierce, even though you're bringing out a cheesy sound or a cheesy lyric or anything like that. So, so of course, we can sit and have a good time and fun about, you know, things like kiss your ass goodbye in The Assassin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not very cool, is it? But also <laughs> the way they this band operates, they have to be allowed to do it. What do you think, Eric? Yeah, like I think we discussed sort of also several times that considering what it is, I mean, it's, you know, they they still every show have you know, some gun in a someone in a giant Eddie suit come out and walk around, and you got fight. You you have to sort of embrace that it's kind of silly and just think it's cool because it's a big like you they have this last tour they had a you know an airplane or like a Spitfire, you know, an inflatable airplane on stage. Obviously, it's somewhat ridiculous, but you got to kind of just embrace this, the silliness of it and just you know it's cool because it's a big airplane in, indoors. That's it, you know. Yeah. As you said, they're playing in an ancient pyramid. I mean, it's already... It's, yeah, al- it's, it's kind of, you know, it's obviously not going to be... I mean, you know, you have to sort of, when you, you know, uh, but then sort that, of suspend those kind of... Uh, I realize also yeah. with an interesting kind of dichotomy that you make there, Fatima, with the, like, epicness is decreased by an increase of cheesiness. I never thought of it like that, because I always think that epic is kind of cheesy in a way, you know, epic, big... You know, um... I like Power Slave. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest on this one. I really enjoy Power Slave, but you know, um, and people, I see people that come up with these phrases that yeah, this is the best heavy metal album of all time. But let's be honest, just um, I think three of the tracks aren't at that level. Mm-hmm. Which would be. Which would be the sword fighting. <laughs> the sword fighting in the middle. <laughs> so, lost for lost for words. Uh, one from Harris, another from Bruce. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, then lost for words doesn't have any words. It's just dead. yeah. But it's a pretty good uh, instrumental. I, I like the instrumental. Yeah, it's a pretty. Yeah, it's yeah, good. But but you know, I really can't live without uh, those two sword fightings. <laughs> yeah. Or at least getting one of them. <laughs> Maybe it was not that wise to put them in the middle together like that. You know, it almost. Yeah, just back to back, and yeah. you know, you just yeah. first. Uh, first here this one and then that one and then another one. I quite yeah, like them. Yeah. I quite like them. I didn't use to, but I do actually now. So and we're going into the duelists but, but quite soon. They're pretty good tracks, but you know. We're actually hitting both of them quite soon. Yep. But swords is kind of interesting because I kind of think that swords are one of the things that can kind of, you know, again, I just I just said that you sh- that you have to kind of embrace the ridiculousness about it. Having said that, during this last tour when Bruce was waving a sword during the clansman, I thought it was kind of silly. I'm like, all right, yeah, 
I would I would have skipped the sword, and I don't need. Then maybe you also don't need two songs literally about swords. <laughs> and the sword yeah. was clearly not metal, right? Well, of course it can't be because no, that would be very kill heavy. Himself, <laughs> so it's like you're actually with a playing rubber sword on stage. You know, maybe skip that. He can do the dance. Can, the dance yeah. is okay. The little, uh, yeah, that's fun. That's also kind of that's also not you know it's not entirely superly yeah. um, insanely serious. Right, uh, right. He doesn't like to be. No, that's that's fine. But the sword was kind of too much. Right. Yeah. Real. Let's see here. Uh, there's another clip uh, from Paris that um, we had Christian on. Right. He played the one. We played Adrian solo from this song. Yeah. Called Summertime, really cool. and I I had to check uh, how does it hold up on in the Paris live, and I think both Dave and um, Adrian did it very well. And also, interestingly enough, uh, if you like. If you have your ears open now, you can tell that uh, Adrian actually changed a couple of positionings and melodies yep. within the solo, and he did it very nicely, very musically. So that tells that he's not also not like absolutely a slave to the composition of the solo. The studio yeah, he version. can change it a little bit, but when he changes it, he's not messing it up like Janik would. He's actually, you know, this is a similar pattern, but it's in another position, possibly because of ergonomics or just because he's he's there. In, in his head or in the flow of it. I think it's quite good, but we'll, we'll give it a listen. I like it. Fatima, what do you think? Uh, I think I like the studio version of Adrian Solo better, but uh, this one is really cool too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have changed it, the studio version to this, but I like that he's just doing it so musically and not like slave-driven. Yep. He's just he's right. singing the, the solo, you know. There's uh, a couple of licks that would have been perhaps a quarter up or something like that. Um, not a quarter note, but mm -hmm. uh, four notes, you know, four semi-notes mm -hmm. up. But he just kind of stays in the groove. And also rhythmically, if you listen to it, it's very, very good rhythmic phrasing. Like, I, I can't, I can't yep. get close to this when I'm playing lead because as a metal guitar player, you kind of, you know, you want to riff really tight. So you work on that mm -hmm. and like, oh, is, is it tight enough? But then you forget that when you play melodies or solos, you have to be as tight, if not even tighter, rhythmically. And all you're thinking about is tone and speed and, and that kind of stuff. But here you have Adrian, he's always minding every single fort, you know, of his... Of his solo castle, if you want, if you will, and uh, like he's, he's minding rhythm, he's minding uh, dynamics, 
is minding. Of course, tone. He has the best tone in the band, I think. The best musical ear. And, you know, it makes me happy, this solo. I think it's a very good solo. Mm-hmm. And Davis before is good, is good too. He kind of disrupts, you know, he disrupts the, the mode. He almost destroys the music. And then Adrian comes in and saves it. That's, that's what it sounds like <laughs> to me, you know, very heroic, this solo. It is. I think all the solos on this yeah, one are very good on this album. Yeah, this is a solo fest in a sense. Two solos, 90 seconds. Very cool. And uh, yeah, for your listeners, you can go and check Christian's version of this back in episode early, <laughs> episode eight or something episode, like that. I think it's like, it's episode, I'll check just so we can say the right one, but yeah. it's, uh, I think it's, um, let's see here. That was, that was, that was a, that was very impressive though, hearing him like that. <laughs> Should we play it again? Uh, sure. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, why yeah, not? Sure. Yeah, it's, it was a episode, uh, episode, uh, uh, four. Four. Yeah. I've heard it two times. I think. Oh, wow. That's great. Uh, that's high <laughs> praise listening to, uh, to us babble for the double amount of time necessary. <laughs> no, it was a quality episode and it was fun to listen to it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Adrian solos always, you know, kind of try to, um, carry a part of the story. So they're contributing to the song. They're not just a solo. Yeah, right. And I think in that case, uh, you know, he's making this sense of uh, going back and forth in time. Like there's a part of the solo that it's just like, um, you know, the clock is ticking and something is moving once forward and another time backward. Interesting. And, and then you get this type of, you know, spinning thing. And at the very end, uh, when he's fingering over the fretboard. Uh, you get this type of, you know, um, melancholic sadness type of thing. Yeah. yeah, I like that analysis. It feels as if he's summing up the whole song in that solo, which itself is a mini song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really cool. I really like it. Sure. Let's listen to Nima's take. I think it's this. Thank you, Christian. Again, still yes. on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so cool. And I really like your your theory there. I haven't, you know, I always overthink this kind of stuff, but I didn't think about this particular one how it could be the clock spinning and moving in different directions here. And you have the with the tapping, and then the, also, like you said, a bit backwards for a while, like ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and, and up forwards again, and then kind of speeding with the. So I think. It, it, you're right it's almost the song you know mm-hmm. more so than the rest yeah, more so than the rest of the song is it's almost the song you know the solo part i think and i know many people that agree with me yeah. it's one of their best solos i think it's absolutely perfect yeah it's it's it's, it's amazing I, i've listened to that you know that i've also listened to that episode a couple of times yeah uh, it's entertaining <laughs> it really yeah. is and uh, he didn't even have his whammy bar he left it at home so he had to pull the bridge with his hand at the end there you know oh that's cool i would just like to have uh christian and then uh the the other eric uh just sit there playing stuff i just i just want to listen to them do stuff (laughs) that's all i want to do yeah i mean obviously we've done most of this um this podcast over distance now Uh, when we started it it wasn't really the case in sweden that we had to do it over distance uh but then you know eric works within um within um, care and uh, you know you have to be careful 
for sure. And uh, so we do most of it now over distance. But Christian was here in my in my house actually, which was nice. Mm. You know? yeah, I used to be a guitar student of his uh, ten years ago, so it was kind of a yeah. reunion of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. He helped us produce That's an fun. album back then too, or a demo. So that, that was fun. And just to see sit here and watch him play, you know, it's just uh, you can do that. like Eric said, you can do that all day. I'd love to do it all day. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's this guy um, over Instagram and Twitter. I think he's, uh, you know, page title is Leaks of the Beast. And uh, some time ago he had covered this solo as well. And I think he did a great job on doing it. Cool. Yeah. I think I've seen his stuff. I've, I've seen good covers. There's Trio of the Beast as well, like Aust- uh, Brazilian guys. Yeah, I think those guys do, um, you know, most uh, mostly they do. Uh, vocal covers and stuff. Yeah, you know they try to replicate Bruce. Yeah, they have this guy that mm-hmm. sounds exactly like Bruce, but with an accent. You know, it's mm-hmm. like uh, it must be kind of the same exact same size or something because he sounds so close to Bruce, like same size of head and body or something. And of course, imitating him. But even if you imitate Bruce, if I imitate Bruce, I'm not going to sound like Bruce. You know, <laughs> it's not going to work out. But no, there's no way for me to sound like him. I think if I put the rest of my life to do it, I mean, it's just the wrong. The wrong body type, yeah. you know. I'm six two for for starters. That doesn't work. Bruce is way <laughs> shorter than me, and already have a different kind of tone, I guess, to it. Or, and then also I can't really right. sing, so that's that's another problem. That's probably. I guess <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say that, that, that's probably a bigger problem. Yeah, but still, I, I wouldn't imagine anyone anyone that would be six two or six three. I wouldn't imagine them being able to sound like Bruce. You have to be shorter, I think. Yeah, probably. Like, uh, Dio was mm-hmm. also this kind of guy. Was his name Rafael Mendes? I think or something. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, uh, yeah I think. I'm just checking. Out, just checking out this guy you sent. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does a really great job. You know, it's really close to the original studio version. Yeah. That's cool. I'll check out. I'm gonna check out more of his stuff afterwards. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm always very impressed with that because I I've always been very. In my playing, I've never been. I've never been very good at imitating anyone or, or trying to do that. I can just sort of barely do. I can do my whatever I do, but I can't really mimic. You know, uh, so I haven't really spent too much time learning uh, yeah. other people's solos. But I usually try to learn up, up to a point, and then when it gets too annoying, it's just okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my own flair here. You know, there's uh, videos of me playing Adrian on stage, and I, I get away with the solos by taking the fastest parts and doing something different there. You know. Yeah. A melody in the same vein or something, you know, you can, there's one of me playing Power Slave, for example, I think uh, I get through with it quite well, you know, it sounds good, but there's a f- quick part that I'm just completely disregarding it. Well, we discussed this last week, sort of, but like with the various, uh, like, um, Adrian's, you know, stuff is, you know, way harder to play or, or way harder to fake than like Yannick's stuff. Yeah. It is, it is. But I, I specialized on faking and stuff, you know, that's why, why where I specialized, because I like those songs. And also, his, they are very musical, so you can, you know, grasp the musical identity of it. You don't have to do all the acrobatics. It's not the most important. No. But, but obviously, you know, when you do, it's more cool, like Christian. Yeah. Unlike me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But we want to say, before we go move on, uh, I, th- I think obviously this song would go on the list, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a absolutely. Cool song. Put that on the... I have um, I, so I'll put that on the list. I have a little bit more talk here also, which is kind of interesting, oh, okay. and I've shorted it down so we don't have to listen to it for ages. Uh, about touring, you know, before and after this album. So has that same, you know, energetic zeal and enjoyment you had at the beginning of the album? Has that carried on through now? Because you're just about to start another world-long tour, and I mean, you do strike me as a bit of a man of the road, Nico. 
I love, I, you know, again, when I said earlier, you get that feeling where you want to go, oh, I want to go home, you know. <laughs> it gets you sort of road madness for a while, but, um, yeah, I love, I love, the, I love being on the road, with, with the band anyway, because we're so, we're so tight as a family, as, and everybody's heard this before, but it's true. After a while, it's like, um, you tend to, you, you start associating it with lack of sleep, sensory deprivation, <laughs> temporary deafness, you know, uh, and, and same old songs, don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so, so you do the new album, right, and, and that kind of saves your, saves your psychic bacon because then you're, you're buzzing with all these new songs and all these new tracks, the new stage show and mm -hmm. the new stage clothes I've got and everything. And you're thinking, wow, this is great. This is a real creative challenge now. I'm going to go out and make this work and make it tick. Now it's that stage where you sort of start warming up and get the feel of it again. And, um, and starting where we're going to be in Poland, it's going to be real good again, because it's like, you know, from the reaction from last time, it's real good. Touring in England is wonderful for me, because everybody speaks the same language, and everybody, uh, and they're very critical audience, but at the same time, they're very rewarding. Right. So as long as you really try hard and put everything into it, you'll get everything. Even if, even if, even if, you can't, even if you're croaking in England, you can't sing a note, but you put your heart and soul into it, you can be guaranteed that the audience will respond very warmly because they know that, you know, even though you've got a bit of a bad throat, you're really putting everything into it. And so that's nice because it makes you really work hard because you know the converse is true, that if you don't right. put everything into it, they're going to throw things at you or, the, or worse, they'll just sit there going, <laughs> I don't think he's doing much tonight, you know. You know, I saw him on last tour and he was much better, you know. Yeah, so there's some interesting points there, I think, you know, from the band mm -hmm. when they toured the most, when they played all the time, it's fun to hear like in the middle of that, their, um, you know, their, um, I guess, uh, view on it. And you can hear Bruce saying like, he wants this crowd that is more passionate about passion, right? It's talking about the British crowd that if you're like, have a bad voice, but you're giving it your all, they're happy. And I guess like he, he asks for that attitude, but that's also a technique from him, you know, because he's, he's got this lousy vocal technique, so he is going to be sore. And then he mm. wants, you know, to prompt the crowd to, to accept that uh, and, you know, accept his passion or his, his show rather than maybe work on his technique. So I think Bruce is always a bit clever with that, you know, he's always manipulating a little bit. But uh, yeah, what do you think? Honestly, I like to hear, uh, you know, uh, South American audience opinions on this one <laughs> because uh, they usually uh, seem to be the most passionate uh, mm -hmm. audience in the world uh, especially the guys in Chile and you know Brazil I think they won't be happy hearing this clip yeah yeah but he's a very British guy and then you had Nico before yeah he is. but also it's interesting one the most interesting part I think was when he told them that uh, you get new energy when there's a new album you know, like there's a new theme or a new a new thing to capture because this was not his album, obviously. This is from, uh, by the way, all these clips are with an interview with Mick Wall, um, I think on British television in 86. So this is a time when Bruce is not even involved in the new album and he still has that, that same attitude. Like it's more fun to go and you know, represent a new album, get new stage clothes. He had that ridiculous big heart, right? A leather jacket with a, <laughs> with a robot heart in it. 
I would have loved yeah. to see that properly filmed. Yeah, uh, apparently the battery uh, lasted for five minutes, you know, not even through the first song. <laughs> the <battery> was, <laughs> there was no LED at that time, you know, there was no LED. Potentially that could have been very dangerous because he was, he was hooked up to a, you know, a very strong battery yeah. uh, with a lot of, you know, fucking, you know, wire, wires over the place. That could, that could have ended very badly. But <laughs> yeah, like a car battery and it was heavy, I think very heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he had said that, you know, there were... 30 pounds of copper wires in Oof. the jacket itself so it's really heavy it sounds just run around the stage with that sounds dangerous it actually does sound dangerous it probably is was probably not the safest <laughs> yeah. thing in the world but <laughs> not at all no no but i mean this last story had a flamethrower so i mean uh <laughs> that's probably to be fair slightly worse <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. i think those were more da- more dangerous for nico you know yeah in one of the interviews nico had said that he was almost once getting fired, you know, oh, over his head. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, that must have cost because I know you know. Obviously, when a big band goes on a tour, they have to get insurance and all that kind of stuff. That must have made things a lot more expensive for them to do because that's you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I discussed this with Eric, our, our, yeah, our previous bass guest, and I was asking yeah. him how much do you think it would have cost. Like, what would be the budget for just allowing that flamethrower to happen? And, you know, you have, uh, you lease it probably, you know, we probably don't even buy it, but you lease this <laughs> flamethrower, maybe a spare one if it doesn't work. Perhaps you need an extra crew for it, for it. just one guy alone for, for this, or I don't know, medical training or something. Bruce needs a license. I, I don't think they, I don't think they rented it. I think what they did, because they, they had to make something that would be, uh, you know, suitable for what they wanted it to do. Oh, they had most flight mo- they have to have someone yeah, make it, I think, because right. most flamethrowers aren't built <laughs> with the idea that you're going to run around using them on stage every day. <laughs> okay, so they had it built, probably. You're right, you're right. Yeah, so now they have a flamethrower. And, and a good, license but, for brews, petrol, uh, extra safety, all that stuff, you know, it must have been very expensive. And I couldn't really come up mm. with a number. I, had, I throw, threw some numbers around, you know, a million or, you know, I have no clue. And then Eric said that uh, the band Gojira, if you're familiar with them, yep. they played in a... In a amusement park here in sweden i think last year a couple of years back and apparently the confetti rain at the end of the of the show cost that little confetti rain alone costed them half a million swedish crowns which is like yeah a lot of money <laughs> like a hundred thousand bucks for that you know so i you know it's, it's insane amounts of money involved in in having that flamethrower on for like yeah. figures but i guess i guess i liked it you know i think it was worth it they can, and they can afford it yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Have, have you, have you, uh, oh, you can, you can get a flamethrower on eBay for uh, about uh, f- uh, 400 euros. <laughs> 400 euros, that's not bad, but it's yeah. not like double mounted with a microphone stand in it, right? But if you want to get a Tesla one, it's, a, it's, a, it's more like 4,000. Tesla flamethrower. Powered, you know, it's, or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm probably not I, I can, I, I, if, if any of our listeners want to buy a flamethrower, I, I'll send you some links. A link in the description. <laughs> and I remember so, some idiot was like, "Oh, they need they're getting the flamethrowers so they can have them when they go to space and do stuff." But they wouldn't work in space because there's no there's no there's no oxygen in space, so you wouldn't be able to shoot a flamethrower in space. No, so there'd be very little point of fucking building making flamethrowers and taking them into space. That sounds like a kid's dream when you're six or seven. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go to space and I'll fly a flamethrower in space. <laughs> well, I think I think what it is, is it sounds like some you know someone from the U.S. who doesn't really know any you know just wants to have a flame thrower and because it was someone i saw who i know was from sort of the uh, south be. part of south part of the US. but anyway never mind. yeah you're the only one allowed to kind of do that uh, badmouth the states since you're at least american well i, th- I think everyone should be allowed to badmouth <laughs> the states these days <laughs> but it's so common it's so common everyone does it maybe too much at least here in sweden i don't know but do you want to we have we have another song we have another song uh, where do you feel for are we through with 
Cold Summer in Time. Maybe you have something more. Because it's the big one for mm. this episode. We could just face that. No, I think we're all done with it. Done with it? And you would support it being on the Made in AZ playlist as well? Yeah, definitely. It's on there. I just actually updated it because I realized I forgot to put on like the last like five things we said was going to go on there. Yeah. And I also haven't posted the, the playlist anywhere, so I'll have to do that. All right. So I'll finish off the segment with the last minute from Paris. I'm going to go get a drink as well. Mm-hmm. to work a lot on that the audio was terrible yeah the audio quality of this tour is just horrible yeah because yeah. there's a constant vhs humming hissing on that i've seen it on vinyl so i'm wondering like if you'd actually buy the paris vinyl would it even That's be listenable nice. would it even be listenable no. sounds like crap right yeah yeah probably should it couldn't work on a vinyl could it i don't think it'd sound very good be, uh, before we move on, I want to just say uh, that uh, I found, if you guys are interested, or anyone at home there is interested, I found uh, uh, a slightly cheaper flamethrower for seven euros, or six euros, sorry, okay. it's, it's, and it sounds, this, this, is, this doesn't sound dangerous six at all, it euros. says flamethrower, barbecue tool, burner, butane, gas, blowtorch, ignition, <laughs> camping, outside UK, so that sounds very good, I'll post a link to that, <laughs> if you want to use that. Outside UK. Outside uh, UK. Right, yeah, yeah, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Yeah, because if we do put together the Made in AZ tribute band, then we have to get the cheap flamethrower yeah. that we don't need uh, uh, any pyrotechnics training for. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't, know, I don't know that this is going to get the job done, but we can we'll look at it later. We'll do that later sometime. <laughs> Tom Tebloss, you know, Tom Tebloss. Yeah, yeah, anyway, that's, uh, that's that. Yeah. Uh, we, are, we are back on Fear of the Dark again. We keep getting back to this album all the time, you know, it's just what, it, you know, it happens in this... In the sequence, and also there's 11 songs on it, right? I think uh, yeah. there's 12. like 12 even, yeah. So it's slightly higher percentage, you know. It's 50% more likely to turn up than uh, <laughs> Summer in Time. Oh, yeah. You know. Unfortunately. So here we are again. Here we are again. Yeah, unfortunately, you say. So maybe you could, you could take the lead on that. Like, what's your initial reaction to this this track, Chains of Misery? Chains of Misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Dave and Bruce. And I think... Yeah. The, this is one of the uh, tracks that we can see the cheese factor in their lyrics. Yeah, I was, I was reading them now. It's kind of rough, yeah. And, you know, it kind of sounds too. like this um, type of, you know, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, hard rockish type of thing, mm. you know, stadium rock, that, especially yeah. the uh, last line of the chorus when uh, the title of the song comes up and, you know, he gets this echo as if a large crowd is singing with him. Yeah. yeah, it's called gang vocal, you know, yep. that's usually the phrase for it, when you, you, you pull together the band and you track it three times together or something, and, and also the genre is, I, I obviously say it's like a bit of a hair metal song, yep. right? Yeah. 
I was say I was I, I kind of tried to call just just to be nice. I kind of called like party rock because it kind of sounds more like it's not it's not very you don't listen to it you're not sitting there listening over and over analyzing the words to you know it's like i said the waters are not very deep right here it's, it's very and the lyrics are it's, it's it's the kind of lyrics that don't really i mean i'm sure if you ask them they'll say it's about something but it's kind of there's not really very much here it's not very like what did you say a magician shouldn't re- reveal his tricks <laughs> but before episodes when i don't really have my opinion on on the lyrics i send them to a guy that is a really good guy in writing. And he's good in writing in English. He's actually a lawyer, but they write a lot and they talk a lot. So I sent him Chains of Misery as well. And like, what, what, is, it, what is it about? And, uh, you know, let's pull, let's pull out the lyrics here. I ju- I, my my, my mental misery. picture is you, without any explaining why, sending random lyrics to a lawyer. <laughs> exactly. But a lawyer that got into Maiden with me. I know, but just, it, at, it'd just be we weird like he's at a meeting and suddenly he has the words to change the mystery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's, kind of, uh, he's telling them at the meeting, like, yeah, okay, something important came up, goes out to the hallway and like, chains of mystery. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of guilt tripping concept is what I read from it. Now, is, is he is he a world of shadows and of, and of rain, or is someone else? Because he's trying to pry into this person's sunlight. Uh, that's going to be difficult to do if he, there's sh- just shadows and rain. In that. Oh, I don't know what... Uh, I mean, it, from what I've read, the, the whole song addresses he all the time. Uh-huh. But I don't think... It's, it's not really about a guy. It could be about any person that came into your life, or about yourself, or about part of yourself. That's how I read it. But anyway, kind of the source of your misery, and uh, how you're stuck to it, or cling on to it in a way. Uh, I think Bruce himself had stated that um, this one is about the, uh, you know, this little devil that we've got on our shoulder. And, you know, he's mm. always telling us and trying to convince us to do bad stuff that we will regret later. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So, I, I've read it as the, as the guy on the shoulder, but more of a guy that's more not trying to convince you to do bad stuff, but rather convince you that you've already done bad stuff. Uh, that's how I read it, but uh, you know, maybe it's more only that cartoon devil, and it's just that you know. Yeah, maybe. It's kind of interesting that uh, this is something that I found listening to uh, these two songs back to back. That "Cuts Over in Time" is about uh, you know, it's kind of the devil convincing this guy that you know, sell your soul to me, and I, I will give you this power of traveling through time, and you can do whatever you like, and you know, just undo whatever you did wrong. And yeah. Chains of Misery is about the devil uh, telling this guy, go do bad things. And, you know, they kind of connect uh, through this way with each other. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's right. It's kind of also, in a way, the opposite message. Maybe the first one would be, hey, I got a great offer for you. You can tr- travel through time. You can redo whatever you've done wrong. And then in this song, it's the absolutely opposite message. Like, all the things you've done wrong, that's you now. That's on you. <laughs> Chains of Misery. Yep. You're stuck with that. <laughs> So it's in a way, is the devil really retracting his whole deal, right? Yep. Uh, at least from my, like the way mm-hmm. I read it. So in this song, it's not like, okay, yeah, you've been everywhere and you've done bad stuff. And sorry, man, that's on you. That's your cross to bear. Instead of uh, offering, you know, ways out of it. It's kind of a unapologetic devil or something like that in this song. More interesting than I thought it would have been. <laughs> it's Now that we bring it out, you know. Yep. Together with Cold Summer in Time. It's, um... um I remember hearing this because Fear of the Dark was one of the first Maiden albums I, I got. I think it may have been the, might be the first one I actually bought, and I, I I liked it when I heard it the first time. But also, I, to be fair, I was fourteen, um, so 
Uh, and it's still kind of, it sort of serves purpose as kind of like a, not particularly, I mean, not by any stretch of the imagination, a complicated song. It's very straightforward. It's like a, you know, it's a sort of very straightforward kind of rocker. and Typical shuffle. Yeah. Shuffle, you know, with standard. I, th- I think it would be kind of. It could, it could have been maybe cool if they could have sounded cool live. I don't. I don't think they ever did that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of fine for what it is. It just kind of. It doesn't really do very much. Like on its own, it's not very. If if you were going to play, you know, trying to get someone into Iron Maiden, you know, you, you wouldn't play. You wouldn't play them this song. Because you know it doesn't really do anything. No, unless you know, yeah. Chains of misery, a Dave song also, which is a bit like when we did uh, Age of Innocence. Like I was a little bit surprised that okay, yeah, this is Dave because it's so anonymous. It could have been Gers or Harris Dickinson, yeah. or you know, it's there's not too much Dave trademark in it. No, it's Maybe, it's it's. I would have assumed it was more of a yeah, yeah. Maybe expect, uh, you know, except for the solo section, which is all Dave. Like, he comes in with the, uh, you know, bluesy type of solo and then gets fast. He did do a shuffle way back also in Twilight Zone. That's also a shuffle song. Yep. So he has that kind of riffage in him, like, but a better one, I think. I think it's better a little bit. It's slightly cooler shuffle. I like Twilight Zone, but I don't know if it's better than Chains of Misery or not. Maybe it is. Ooh, oof, harsh. Harsh on Twilight Zone. I haven't heard Twilight Zone in so long. There's just, um, you know, 10, 12 seconds of um, something that is going on after the guitar solo ends. I think it's a guitar harmony, if I'm not, if I'm mm-hmm. recalling correctly. And I think that's, uh, you know, uh, the highlight of the song, if we you know, set the solo yep. part. In Sh- Chains of Misery? Yep. Uh, I want to hear the, the solo bits. I, I can find it and play it, but give me a second. Uh Yeah, this is a very standard riff. Yeah. It doesn't really bring anything new to the table, right? No, it sounds almost more Judas Priest than... In a way, yeah. Yeah, it sounds similar to Judas Priest. No offense to that. I do like Judas Priest. But... Like early, early Priest, in a way. But not as good, though. <laughs> Gang vocal. I know, I think I know what that you mean. But. This is pretty nice, actually. Oh, those are bad lyrics, though. Definitely the best part of the song, Definitely. I think. The most identity, at least. And the breakdown when he starts 
kind of ad-libbing, you know, as cheesy as it is, it's pretty good, I think, because uh, just musically, not maybe not the words, no, cause, but I mean, because the, the words are horrible. The words are, it's only love that holds the key to your heart. It's only love. <laughs> yeah, I think that's basically ad-lib, you know, that's not even lyrics. Uh, but I think the way he interacts with the, with the lead guitar is pretty cool. How the voice and the lead guitar work, you know, kind of off each other and battling each other. And it reminds me of Charlotte the Harlot as well, another Murray tune. Not a great one, but uh, the breakdown there. Uh, when he and Paul are doing kind of slow soloing and uh, Charlotte, you left me standing there, all that, all that <laughs> stuff. It reminds me a bit of that. It's not a hell of a lot to say about this. <laughs> more fun, still more fun than I thought, you know, to look at it, both lyrically and musically, because I didn't prepare at all for this one. I was busy preparing God Summer in mm. Time and getting into different versions of that and whatever they've said about that song. So, but where did you get this uh, Bruce um, interview where he mentioned this track? Fatima, you remember? Uh, I think if you go over Genius, uh, the site that puts the lyrics, uh, they have, you know, um, I, uh, given the credit. And it's uh, Iron Maiden Bulgaria. They have uh, covered the interview. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of fun uh, lyric meanings or lyric analyzation online there. You know, some really ridiculous ones. There's one for Tailgunner, which is, yeah, <laughs> it's on songmeanings.com, I think. It's very interesting. Right, check that out. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into that one, but in Chains of Mystery, I haven't read anything about, about the lyrics. At, at least not from the band themselves. I mean, like I said, it's it's not that, I mean, I don't. I can't imagine, it's one of those songs you'd almost half expect them to kind of forgot that they, at this point, that they even recorded, because I don't think, you know, it's not yeah, like anyone's I think like... They have. I can almost guarantee no one has ever in the history of the bands, you know, like you know, oh, you know, you guys got to play Chains of Misery. Like, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got a strong point because I think if you asked, really, if you asked all the six members, try to list all the Iron Maiden songs. Let's say of Fear of the Dark. Mm. Like, can you list Fear of the Dark off the top of your mind? I think more than half of them would miss Chains of Misery. And probably would, yeah. they don't remember this song. Why would they remember this song? You know, it doesn't concern them at all. I think maybe Dave remembers it, if even. Yeah. You know, he's too relaxed to remember that kind of that old stuff. Uh, busy golfing <laughs> yeah uh, i don't think this song is close to the heart of this band i can't imagine because if it was they would have played it probably at some point instead of just yeah it's a filler right this is like a proper this is, filler. This is a filler album filler on an album that is a bit too long i think more than a bit like, uh, i like my album's <laughs> 80s length yeah more than a bit yeah. so you're with henrik on this one maybe henrik finds this album very weak what do you think um you know I think compared to the next couple of songs that we're getting on Fear of the Dark, which is, you know, The Apparition and then the other one was uh, Weekend Warrior. I think this one is a better one. They could <laughs> throw those out and keep this one. Yeah. But uh, I went through some, um, you know, comments and stuff. And some mm -hmm. people seem to really like it and enjoy it and don't consider it as a filler at all. But uh, some other people, like, you know, they just say it's a filler and it doesn't need to be an album with, um, you know, 12 tracks on it. Yeah, because I've made my own version of it recently because I wanted to listen to it for a bit and I thought I can't listen to the whole thing. <laughs> so I, I took away only, th only three songs I took away and it was much better for me. And I actually kept Chains of Misery in there. <laughs> like, yeah, this is a nice little filler. It's not the worst filler. It's an okay filler song. But I took away From Here to Eternity because I just find that a very ugly composition. It's not a good, well-written song at all, I think. Yeah, it's, you know, it's basically when Steve trying to be Adrian, it just turns horrible. 
Yeah, it's just one lick. You know, I never played it before, but I'm sure it's just like. There we go. That's the song. I mean, I'm just looking at the track listing for this album, and you could remove, if you removed maybe the apparition. Uh, I kind of like From Here to Eternity, but if, if, say if you even got rid of I mean, you, you could get this down to eight tracks easy, and no one would, you know, people would probably like it even more. There's no reason yeah. why the song Weekend Warrior should be six minutes long almost. There's nothing, there's nothing happening in it. It's just, there's nothing. It's absolutely killing the momentum in between what I find a great song, Judas My Guide, yeah. and the, the title yeah. track. It's absolutely killing the momentum. Like, yeah, let's throw in Weekend Warrior, this crap football song. <laughs> yeah. And then you have Apparition. I take away Apparition, that one, and From Here to Eternity. But I do keep Chains of Misery. Because I'm like, yeah, maybe you should keep a little bit of that Fear of the Dark filler sound in there you know fear is the key i think it's a pretty good song too yeah. uh, i don't really like the fugitive i kind of eh, sort of mm, i like it i like the fugitive uh, but i don't love it you know no it's definitely a, not a strong iron maiden album fear of the dark it's not i imagine i imagine though this was probably the first album for a lot of people because of yeah. just because of the title track fear yeah. of the dark it was huge in the suburbs in outside of stockholm you know as a kid and that was mm -hmm. in the late 90s so we already had Blaze albums, but Fear of the Dark was still the new Maiden album when I, when I discovered Maiden seven years yeah. after its release, or you know, six, seven years after. Um, how, how is, the, is there a metal scene in Iran? How does it work? I find some people, you know, mostly the younger generation, um, really liking this type of stuff. But, you know, I think more people are kind of um, into rap and hip-hop type of thing. But... Mm -hmm. um, Many people don't care that just um, to listen to something uh, more specifically. They just listen to almost everything: pop, rap, rock, uh, metal, yeah. and I think um, in Iran it's just you know this is the case. Like people uh, mostly listen to almost everything, which is usually um, more towards rap and pop. And how about mm. the superficial side of things? Do you see any Iron Maiden T-shirts in Tehran? Mm, yep. You can see some, you know, Slipknot, Maiden, Metallica, mm, these type of t-shirts. Uh, sometimes Gojira come up. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, so you there's, know, there's a little scene, you know, that's what I'm trying to, to, to catch here. Like, I want to try and visualize how the scene would look. Because I've, I've been, I haven't been in Iran, but I've been in many different countries, like uh, uh, in Asia. Mm -hmm. And I've seen metals, metal guys everywhere, really. Like, uh, they pop up, and we have these different cultures or different religions in these in these countries, like uh, Malaysia, for example, quite big metal scene, and uh, there's a um, uh, Muslim country, and then you have uh, China. There's another thing altogether, right? And our maiden go there, and they have to censor the the lyrics. You know, tell me why. I have, oh, tell yeah, me sorry. why I have to be a wicker man. He actually sang that in Power Slave, because what? Uh, yeah, it's true. You can what? find it online. Uh, oh, I gotta check this audio, out. Hold uh, on. Tell me why I have to be oh a wicker God. man. <laughs> wait, wait. So the Wait, so the... Uh, I, uh, what? <laughs> You're amazed now. <laughs> this is news to you. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, no, it's... <laughs> Have you heard this, Fatima? Do you know about this? No, I didn't know. This is just, you know, sounds ridiculous. The word power uh, slave bring up some rebellious thoughts, you know, if, when you, if you realize that you're actually a power slave in, in the context of living in China, I but guess. Makes, it makes no fucking sense. So, you know, what, what, you know, what, what does having to be a wicker man have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, speaking of Bruce's personal pride that we discussed before uh, with the yeah. summer in time and almost leaving the band and everything, he must have gotten a thick compensation to just sing the wrong lyrics in, his, in the chorus yeah, of his magnum opus, Power Slave. 
He said, okay, I'll sing a different thing. That must have been a, a lump of cash for that, you know. I think I got it here if you want to see it or want to hear it. I think it's kind of stupid yeah, to be honest. I, mean, I don't know that you're like, well, let's, let's see. I, we'll see what this, what this, what this is. Okay, well, okay, we, we got, like, I gotta hear that again. That's, that's nuts. Jesus Christ, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. So uh, hopefully if they ever get to play in Tehran, they don't have to change lyrics like that. Oh my God. I mean, they, to be yeah. honest, Chinese government is way worse than ours. Yeah. And uh, sorry if anyone from China is listening to this. I think most of them would agree. But, you know, we have a... <laughs> We have a pretty terrible regime, but theirs is absolutely worse. Mm. The the whole uh, rock metal thing in Iran is something very underground. Even um, you know the active bands, they are all underground. Nothing is going to get a, like you know uh, this license from government and being a mainstream thing at all. Yeah, because I remember that from I went to China with high school so a long time ago, and I met some metal guys there. And they said they had to buy every CD under the table, so to speak, that it wasn't uh, distributed officially. I think now it is, but now it is with the control. Tell me why I have to be a, a wicker man. <laughs> I wonder how much cash would he have needed to do that? Maybe more cash to do that than to, to fund the whole flamethrower. I, th- I think when, when you're there, when you're, when you't there in the, in the country and you're about to do it and you don't want to disappoint people, and it's just more of the fun. I think it's, it's easier to be kind of you know, like, you know, fuck you to that thing when you're not in it there and people are telling you, cause I think when you're, when you're in the situation, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's, I think it's probably very natural to sort of, you know, back down a little bit and just, you know, do it. And also they, they want, they want to do it for the, they want to, you know, they, they obviously want to do, they're doing the, they want to do the gig for the fans and they do all that stuff. And maybe that, maybe switching out a, a word, even if it's ridiculous makes, means a little more, you know, that wouldn't mean as much as, you know, making people happy rather than I could definitely picture like Axl Rose just like refusing to do something because they made him sing, you know, something different. Yeah, or like uh, Jim Morrison of The Doors when he was on this talk show and they told him like, you cannot say, uh, girl, we couldn't get much higher. You have to switch it to girl, we couldn't get much better. And then he instead, of course, screams higher. You know, yeah, like, girl, girl, we couldn't get much more wicker man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he goes that way around, but he's also in his own country, right? He's in his own country and his recommendations. I think my guess with Maiden and Power Slave is that it was even pre-negotiated, you know, even before they finished finalizing oh, the booking. Like, like oh, they, yeah. we, we, let us take a look at the set list. Okay, we've got a problem here. What do you want to do about it? And so on. And probably they paid well, you know, because they are mm. a rising economy. Hey, my, uh, my lovely... Uh, country of origin have you know are very hard i mean I, they, I, I don't know they've done anything like that but so far but i mean they're they're you know because especially depending where you are in the country you know religion is very uh, you know much present and yeah. rules and there's stuff and there's you know i i think even as late as a few years ago when maiden played there they had people you know parents outside holding signs and stuff and you know that's that's yeah. that still goes on so yeah i mean i'm, I'm raised with a very religious uh, generation above my father's generation 
But uh, they always had a good attitude with this, you know. They were always like, uh, my, my grandfather would call me and like, tell me that stuff about space, you know, and the, about the creation of the of the world. And then I would just sit six years old and I'd blah, 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 space, big bang, and this and that. And then he would say afterwards, after listening very carefully, like, oh, okay, this is very interesting, I like it. I believe it was made by God, but that's a good version too, you know. So, I mean, you, you could have you could have both going on. I don't see how it would have to be one or the other in that sense. And in America also, like, the language is very different. If you look at TV, it's censored, and, like, uh, the street language is very foul, you know, so to speak. So it's almost like a double yep. double standard yeah. going on. You know, I personally think it's kind of stupid because, you know, people who are attending a show, they have definitely heard the, you know, original version many, many times. Just, you, know, you can trigger the crowd by changing that word, but, you know, you you may, it's, I think it's safer to just go with the original version, but when you change it, you kind of send a signal to people that, yes, this word is rebellious, exactly. but it's not. And now we're talking about it too, so it was underlined, you know. Had he just sang Power Slave, it wouldn't have yeah. been a topic, right? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna have. The, I mean, the the best part about this is that I'm gonna. Whenever something needs to be censored, uh, I'm gonna just have fun imagining they're saying Wicker Man instead. Yeah, <laughs> we'll put Wicker Man in there. <laughs> Works for everything. Yeah, not Chains of Misery. Oh, that's right. That's what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. But we, yeah. we kind of, you know, the fact that we derived so far from it, it kind of tells the story about Chains of Misery. This. Yeah, absolute I mean, filler of a track, and uh, obviously not going on the on our Maiden AC playlist. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, probably not. <laughs> no. no, I wouldn't. But hey, what, how would you rank it? I would say it's still like a solid, strong two out of five. It gets two two J's out of five for me. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Depends the context because right now it's fun because we're doing this. If I'm, but like we discussed it with was what we did, last week we did. Uh, I can't. What, no, at some point recently, we did some song where it was where I mentioned the idea that if you're at a you know a party situation, I'm not gonna here. Let's listen to get a sign of the cross. Or I'm not gonna do that, but maybe I'd put this on more than. So it depends. Depends on the situation. Yeah, I mean it's not party lyrics. Very uh, no, it's not. But, it's, I mean, but the yeah, I guess I guess you could swing to that. Yeah, so I'm gonna say give it. I guess a two out of two out of five. Yeah. And uh, somewhere in time, we don't normally do this, but just for fun. We don't do. We can do it for fun. Anyway. I'd yeah. give that a five out of five. Yeah, same here. It's a five. It's a solid five for the solo alone. Yeah, it's definitely a five. And what do you think about Chains of Misery then? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe a two is fine. Maybe two and a half. You know, yeah, it's pretty. a song you can listen to it. You won't cringe hearing it. But um, here's the thing: um, what would you give to the Angel and the Gambler? Uh, mm. yeah. yeah I'm gonna I, say, I, I give the radio version of it like maybe two and a half three the album version that's like five hours long zero uh, maybe give it <laughs> one or maybe one one and a half maybe between one and two maybe uh, I, I, uh, I felt instant in, instantaneously one would be appropriate for that uh, at least for the album version maybe two if you shorten it uh, but uh, it's a fun Fun song? I don't know. It's uh, I'm not angry at this song, uh, Ain't Gonna Gamble. Doesn't disturb me. It's just not good. To be honest, you know the part that he just um, repeats and repeats and repeats. Don't you mm. think I'm a saver? Don't you think I can save you? I just just like Jesus Christ, just shut the fuck up. 
Yeah, actually, right. You're actually ending my life. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, you're I mean, a good I get point you. there. <laughs> what else could it's almost like I, I called it almost like experimental art. You know, how often can I repeat this until the crowd goes mad? Of course, that wasn't the idea from them. <laughs> you know, it's just Harry's writing a song, but the result yeah. is almost like performance art. Like if I would if I would try to trick you guys by just saying the same sentence over and over and see how long it could take it <laughs> whilst recording this pod, you know, it's at that point. <laughs> It's it's uh, when I when I first bought the the CD after hearing I heard I've heard I heard the single version before and I put the CD on and I think I even thought for a second that something was wrong with the CD because it's you know what's it's like twelve minutes or something like that because like you know yeah the the the, ra- the radio version is four so there's eight minutes of just repeating the, <laughs> the fucking line. yes oh my god I think the original I version is nine minutes and they have you know cut four or five minutes from it for the radio uh, single thing yeah which is half of the song. Yeah, so the, so apparently the album version is nine minutes fifty one seconds. Epic, almost ten minutes. But if you take like that and then yeah, and then you like jump ahead like a few tracks to the Clansman, which is uh, just uh-huh. it's nine minutes six seconds. That doesn't you know that that those nine minutes go by in a flash because it's you know that's a good song. Yes. Whereas this is this feels like a fucking yeah, that's a good death march. <laughs> it does. We want to return to that a little bit as well. Thank you for for bringing those memories back to life. You know, as, as we're actually now like in the, in the middle of sea now. We're getting in, in, in into the seas. It's pretty yeah, good. we're getting there. But that's the that's the very cool thing about, you know, that that the you know, maiden fans in general, there's you know a lot you know, that there's uh uh just the fact that there's, you know, th- us three sitting here doing this from very different parts of the world. I mean now me and Jonathan live in the same city, but we're from very different places, you know, originally and you are yeah. also from and that's very cool. Originally, three continents. Originally, you know. Yes. North America, Europe, and Asia. Yep. That's cool. Then. Actually, technically, four continents. Really? Because even though, even though I'm, I was raised in America, I was technically born in in South America. Oh, okay, really. So yeah, you didn't know that, but there you go. Now you do. Actually, I went through my first email, and uh, you know, I found that that uh, first of all is super long. <laughs> Second of all. Uh, it has a lot of ranting in it, just you know, and it's about the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard to paraphrase because of that, but uh, you know, you should write as long as you write. That's what I also do when I, when I start writing about our maiden. It's just dig, 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 you know, I just see my hands moving, and I'm not really yeah. thinking about what they're. You yeah. know, it's just ideas or opinions coming out there. Yeah, yeah. It was really fun to have you here also on the sh- actual show, and um, not only in the mailbox. Uh, you know. Thanks for having me. You're welcome and, to come uh, back whenever you want. Uh, we, you know, we have a lot of songs ahead of us. Keep so. uh, blasting away emails, and don't be afraid to to do it in the long form either. And then, of course, we can discuss uh, coming on here again because that's usually what happens with uh, with the co-hosts that we we try to do it. You know, every now and then. Yeah. Uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, and um, thanks for having me. It was real fun to do this. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. This was great. Is that it, Eric? Any housekeeping? No, I think we're, we're good. We did a lot of that last time. Right. Uh, there's probably something I'm forgetting, then but that's can, fine. Uh, just um, look forward to next week, guys. And now, even I don't know what's going to be on next week. Probably Charlotte the Harlot and uh, Childhood's End. So another kind of fillerish run. And then we have two really good songs coming up very soon with uh, a guest. That was going to be very nice. So things to look forward to in the seas and uh, mm-hmm. onward. Uh, so I guess we're signing out without catchphrase as usual and just saying uh, like they say, up the irons
No, I don't have a Facebook account. I'm not the person for going with Zuckerberg. Oh, uh, fair enough, fair enough. 